This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Duke's Mail. Do you get it? Because only the ones that get it really get it. Your friends get it. Your mom gets it. Your grandma gets it. Your neighbors get it. Sometimes a dog gets it. Get out of there. What else? Uh, your potato salads get it. BLTs get it. Tailgates get it. And restaurants get it too. By now, even you probably get it. So get it today. Made without any sugar since 1917, Dukes is that little southern something that makes good things better. Get Dukes. It's got twang. This podcast may discuss topics graphic in nature and possibly triggering to survivors. We value the safety and well-being of all of our listeners. So please practice personal discretion. Now, enjoy the show. Hey, I'm Paige. And I'm Natalie. We're the hosts of the Murder Diaries podcast. We bonded over tacos and true crime after we matched on Bumble BFF. You know, like any normal millennial using an app to meet new friends. Every Thursday, we upload a new episode. In each episode of The Murder Diaries, we tell true crime one story at a time. One week, it's my turn. And the next week, it's mine. You still think it's in my head, but I'm walking with the dead. This week, we're bringing you a case out of the Midwest from 2007. This is one of those cases where I completely remembered it as soon as my memory was jogged. I feel like now with all of the true crime documentaries, both shows and feature films, and all of the podcasts, we so often will hear about a case and then we'll kind of lose sight of it almost. That's exactly what I'm trying to say right there. It's nothing intentional. It's just one of those ones where my memory was jogged. And when I started watching the show, I was like, I remember this case. So I immediately knew I want to tell this story on the podcast. So here we are. This is the case of Kelsey Ann Smith. Kelsey Ann Smith was born May 3rd, 1989. She was from Overland Park, Kansas. Very suburban area, if you will. Really nice, safe. She was described as scrubbed in sunshine. I love that so much. I believe this was written in her obituary. I believe that's where I got that quote from. And I just think that's a perfect way to describe somebody that just is lighting up a room. It's Mm -hmm. such like the perfect way to say that, scrubbed in sunshine. And it also makes you just think of a really sweet disposition and shows that it's one who is not only warm in nature, but spreads that warmth around them. I love it so much. It also sounds like a very authentic description. You know, it's very... It sounds very real and she sounds like she must have been a really great girl. It's so genuine. Absolutely. She was also known to be a little headstrong, independent, and she was really popular among her peers in high school. She was one of five children. She had a brother and three sisters. She loved 
choir, theater, and playing in the high school marching band. So just very musically inclined, kind of a creative soul in that way. She's remembered as the life of the party. And someday she wanted to be a veterinarian when she grew up. She was actually getting ready at the time her case takes place to head off to Kansas State University and start the process of becoming a veterinarian. For all intents and purposes, this is really the beginning of her life. She's graduated from high school and is starting to pursue her adult passions. It was the end of one chapter of her life and the beginning of another. Perfect way to put it. Let's start our episode today on Saturday, June 2nd, 2007. Duke's Mail. Do you get it? Because only the ones that get it really get it. Your friends get it. Your mom gets it. Your grandma gets it. Your neighbors get it. Sometimes a dog gets it. Get out of there. What else? Uh, your potato salads get it. BLTs get it. Tailgates get it. And restaurants get it too. By now, even you probably get it. So get it today. Made without any sugar since 1917, Dukes is that little southern something that makes good things better. Get Dukes. It's got twang. Is your daily grind getting you down? A Thermospas hot tub may be the solution. Just a few minutes under those powerful, soothing jets, and all your stress seems to melt away, like you're lying on a cloud of bubbles. You'll not only feel better, but sleep better, too. Call 877-861-4672 now, and for a limited time, save $1,250. Call 877-861-4672, or visit thermospas.com to schedule a free on-site assessment. It was basically any other weekend for Kelsey and her family, which included her sisters and her brother, her mother, Missy, and her father, Greg, who incidentally was off duty that weekend as a police officer. So her dad was a police officer. Among many other things, I found an article that talked about his past a little bit. So he has spent time in politics and being a sheriff. He's been in law enforcement for a lot of his career, though. And at this time, that's what he was. Kelsey had just graduated, as we mentioned, from Shawnee West High School nine days earlier on May 24th, 2007. That gives us just a little perspective of just how recent this new chapter started and the process of closing up that chapter throughout this summer before starting that new chapter at Kansas State. Like I mentioned, she was getting ready to start her freshman year over there at Kansas State University, and she was going to be playing the clarinet in the marching band. As I mentioned, she was going to be starting her freshman year at Kansas State, working towards becoming a veterinarian someday, and she was going to be playing the clarinet in the marching band. So she was sort of carrying a piece of the last chapter into the new chapter and still being Kelsey, but growing. She definitely made room for her passions in one chapter in the next chapter. Mm -hmm. Kelsey was also celebrating another milestone that day, though, too. It was her six-month anniversary with her boyfriend, John. Kelsey needed a few things for John's gift at Target, including wrapping paper and um, another couple items that she was going to be picking up. So she headed out just before 7 p.m. She arrived at Target around 6.54. You can see this on the surveillance cameras of the parking lot. And she was entering Target by 6.55. So she was trying to get all of this done pretty quickly because they were going to be spending the evening together. Well, in Target, and I kind of love this moment. I think it's really sweet. 
she calls her mom to ask where the stationery and cards were. So she's trying to find an anniversary card for this boyfriend, her high school boyfriend. Her mom directs her to where the cards and stationery were. And that was the last anybody heard from Kelsey again. This is just such a typical interaction between a young adult learning their way in the world and their parent. It's innocent, sweet, and ordinary, all while being chilling now that we know it was the last any of her loved ones had ever heard from her. John arrives at her house around 7.30 and Kelsey still wasn't home. You got to love the time crunch there, Mm -hmm. the 30-minute time crunch between when John was supposed to be there and when she was at Target. But like I said, this was not your, I'm going to grab an iced coffee and peruse around Target. It was quick. I'm picking up the wrapping paper and some other items and I'm going to get it ready before he's there at 7.30. It was going to be quick. So relatable to me. I mean, this is how I live my life. So I understand, Kelsey. (laughs) It's relatable to you and so many others. And I love when we're talking about victims to humanize them as much as possible. Mm -hmm. Because all we have is documentaries and black and white written word. It's so easy to dissociate. And so it's just such a relatable moment that she's kind of rushing and time crunch, get to Target, get home. But like we mentioned, we know Kelsey doesn't make it home. And by 8 p.m., John and her family start to think the worst. They really didn't waste much time without worry because she was not one to just be tardy, be gone without a phone call or a text or something like that. With her family, they were really close. Um, With John, she had plans with him. So why would she be standing him up? It just wasn't making sense right away. And her father is a police officer. He knows that things can happen. So he sounds like he wasn't going to let more time pass. And it sounds like they were ready to jump on it. I'm so glad you mentioned that because her father being in law enforcement plays such a large role in this case and played a huge part in why and how things unfold in this case. So let's take that perspective while we listen to the rest of the case. And remember, Mm -hmm. he's a police officer and this is why things may be happening like this. So she's not responding to anybody and they continue to call and try and get a hold of her. The family and John begin to wonder, you know, is she stranded with a dead cell phone and a flat tire, a dead car battery and can't get help? maybe we can find her and get her assistance because this is weird. Well, they didn't find Kelsey at Target and they didn't find her car there either. So this is just adding on to the worries. And Kelsey's dad springs into action while they're doing the whole look for Kelsey thing. He springs into action by reaching out to different police agencies that were local. And he starts speaking with dispatchers at those agencies to see if there was any kind of incident or accident that may have put her in contact with police. Good or bad, he wanted to find his daughter. And what a great, smart way to do that. Absolutely. But did he find anything? He found nothing. And this is when her father, Greg, really recalls starting to panic. It was no longer, hey, maybe something a little bit unfortunate happened, but let's use this as a learning curve and a growing lesson for Kelsey and move on. This was where's my daughter status now. The hunt for her car was on as well. On the other side of things, when it came to John and Lindsay, her sister. Around 10.50 p.m., her boyfriend John and sister Lindsay find Kelsey's car 
in the Macy's parking lot. This Macy's was across the street at the Oak Park Mall. So there's a street, 97th Street, Target's on one side of the street, and the mall, Oak Park Mall, is on the other side of that street, 97th Street. So the car was not far, but Kelsey did not have plans to go to Macy's. And again, she had a tight time frame between when she was going to go to Target and pick up the couple of items really quickly and go home to meet John and go out with him that evening or spend the evening with him. So it just did not make sense why she would have been anywhere near Macy's, even though it was so close. What was also really weird is when you look at the surveillance footage. Now, I didn't put any surveillance footage in the show notes because I couldn't find any video that curated just the surveillance footage alone, but there's tons of YouTube videos and the documentary that I listed in the show notes shows all the surveillance footage. So if you're really interested, I definitely suggest you check out the documentary I posted or check out some of the YouTube videos. Either way, when you're looking at the surveillance videos, it's not parked in a spot normally at all. It's just at a diagonal. It's facing the opposite direction of other cars in the parking lot. It sounds like it's been done haphazardly is what you're trying to say, right? Like it doesn't sound like it was an intentionally put into a parking spot where, you know, someone did that to like walk away from their car. This sounds like it was done in a hurry. It looked like it was done in a hurry and it's also away from the other cars. So it seems to be at the other end of the outdoor parking lot and again, diagonal and just right, looking funky like somebody parked it and took off. It did not look right immediately. Once they find the car in the state that we were just talking about, they, of course, call the parents immediately. We found her car. So the dad mentions that he sort of warned them like, hey, you know, kind of back away from the car. Law enforcement needs to come. You know, that kind of thing. Like, don't disturb Mm -hmm. anything that you can avoid disturbing. Well, they needed to process it and he didn't want any potential evidence being disrupted. And thank God for that. Right. That's kind of what I mean. Like just the the whole don't touch it kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. Law enforcement gets there and they search Kelsey's car. In her car, they find her purse and the items she purchased that day at Target, which was primarily wrapping paper and what looks like a darker gift box Mm -hmm. or what may have actually been the gift. It's a little hard to tell. Again, all I have to go off of for that information is a surveillance video and what the law enforcement officers mention. And they mention it as we found wrapping paper and the gift. So it's kind of like a big darker box and some wrapping paper. Something that was off though that they noticed was that there was a sweater type fabric item hanging out of the trunk. They have to wait, though, for agonizing moments while they wait for the forensic team to arrive so that they can open up the trunk. I'm not sure how long that took, but it definitely was a while. And I'm sure 10 seconds in this situation would feel like a whole entire day because they were wondering, what are we going to find in there? Is Kelsey in there? Mm -hmm. Is something else ominous and a big fat clue in there. What are we going to find? Well, what they found in the trunk once forensics got there and they opened it was really not much of anything. No Kelsey and no clues. Again, this was really out of character for Hirsch. Why did you vanish with your car parked at a diagonal at a store you weren't even supposed to be? Well, things just aren't adding up here. Nothing was adding up and 
if I was there that day, it probably would feel like it just kept getting more and more frustrating Mm -hmm. and scary, which rightfully so. The law enforcement team that searched the car notes that there wasn't much sign of a struggle within the car either, but they do manage to collect what evidence they can, including some fingerprints. Law enforcement also notes that there was a CCTV cam pointing directly at her car in the Macy's parking lot. It was late by this time, right? They didn't find the car till around 10.50, so they couldn't get access to the CCTV footage from Macy's that night. They wait and they interview Kelsey's parents. Standard questions just to rule them out as suspects. Her dad was more than happy to do it and absolutely knew what was going on. And they were totally cleared immediately. And her boyfriend, John, was also cleared very quickly. The next day, Kelsey's family starts their own search. Her dad took the reins of the search. And as a seasoned law enforcement officer, um, he knew that the first 48 precious hours were ticking by. Is your daily grind getting you down? A Thermospas hot tub may be the solution. Just a few minutes under those powerful soothing jets and all your stress seems to melt away. Like you're lying on a cloud of bubbles. You'll not only feel better, but sleep better too. Call 877-861-4672 now. And for a limited time, save $1,250. Call 877-861-4672 or visit thermospas.com to schedule a free on-site assessment. Meanwhile, the detectives got access to the CCTV footage from that day, June 2nd, just after 7 a.m. on June 3rd, the very next day. They see that Kelsey's car was driven into the Macy's parking lot around 9.17 p.m. The footage was a bit grainy, but again, you can really see that this is her car. It's parked at a diagonal. That part is not in question. They see somebody get out of the car and runs. Runs off. They don't know who it is. It's not her, but just runs off. The chilling part is they find the car an hour and a half later. There's not much time that has elapsed in the car being delivered to that parking lot and the family finding it. It just goes to show how much can happen in mere minutes, really. Mere minutes. A tip comes in from a local restaurant that says, hey, we captured footage of Kelsey at our restaurant, but her parents quickly review it and the girl in the footage was not Kelsey. False alarm. To be honest, when I look at the CCTV footage of that restaurant, it looked like her a little bit from behind, but her face was completely different. Rightfully so, it's a different person. So I'm glad that they reached out and said, hey, we may have something here, but it was a huge blow to the case and the hearts of her family and loved ones. They still hadn't found her. Luckily, good news was on the way, though. The CCTV footage from Target became available to detectives. This is all still June 3rd. Additional great news was that Target had 40 cameras. So... All or some of those cameras had filmed her whole shopping trip while she was in Target. So they were able to watch all 10 minutes-ish that she was in Target. It was like 10 or 12 minutes that she was in Target. Not a long time at all. Well, like you said, she was supposed to go in and out and meet her boyfriend right after. So this was really just a stop in her evening. Yes, it was just supposed to be a quick moment in her evening in and out of Target. So now that they knew that they had all the footage from Target, 
Well, from while she was there, it was time to figure out what happened to Kelsey. What did she do while she was in Target? Where did she go? What was going on during that time? The camera footage shows Kelsey arriving, walking into the store, going up and down the aisles. It shows her making the phone call to her mom that we mentioned to help get help finding the stationery and the cards. It shows her checking out. And she, again, was only in the store for around 10-ish minutes, so not long at all. We then see her back out of the parking lot and leave. That's it. Okay, so from Target to diagonally parked at Macy's at 10.50 at night and nowhere to be found. Yeah, what happened? Yeah, and at first glance, they don't see any signs of foul play in the CCTV footage. She's been missing for about 18 hours at the point that they are able to get the CCTV footage from Target and her family's hearts are getting heavier and heavier. At the 24-hour mark, detectives decide to scour the Target footage again. So it's time to revisit. Let's regroup this. And how they regrouped was they gathered together as a group, all the detectives on the case and maybe some that were collaborating and assisting. They went into a room and they projected the CCTV footage from Target on the wall. They wanted to blow it up Mm -hmm. without messing with the pixels as much as possible, but it was still grainy and pixelated because you're blowing it up, you're projecting it. And it's 2007. CCTV footage, even today in 2021, is pretty bad. So imagine back 14 years earlier. Right. You know this wasn't in like 1080p. They watched the footage over and over and over. And finally, during one of the viewings, they get to the footage of Kelsey walking to her car. As I mentioned, the picture's a bit pixelated, but they see Kelsey put her items in the passenger side of her car and then walk to the driver's side door, as they had many times since they had watched it so many times. But all of a sudden, one of the detectives notices a white flash. This white flash goes across the screen so quickly, it is really hard to see. But this white flash heads from the left field of vision from the camera straight to Kelsey's car. Bam, they had it. They knew this was somebody running to her car. This is huge for the case. They knew somebody had her or got her, but there was little to go on still outside of the CCTV footage. Great, we see a white flash. We have no idea who this white flash is. They wondered, can we find out who this white flash is if we review the target footage? That's when they notice a young guy in his 20s in pretty much every frame of the CCTV footage that Kelsey was in. He didn't really seem to be shopping much either. He often was seen kind of watching her kind of slyly though, not uber obviously. And he would move as she moved. And once Kelsey made it to the checkout area, he booked it to the parking lot. You can see it in the CCTV footage of him leaving. He was kind of walking quickly, it appears. Could be hindsight and knowing the case, but to me, looks like he's walking pretty quickly. He was on a mission. He was on a mission. He was on a mission to book it out of Target and hide in the parking lot so he could watch for when Kelsey came out and got to her car. This case and this moment in particular is so relatable because I know me and so many of my female friends go to Target 
all the time and we take it for granted. We walk in without a care in the world Mm -hmm. and we go through all the aisles, not thinking somebody could be watching us. And this is something that happened, maybe not in broad daylight, but it's 7 p.m. It's not like midnight. It's not a time when you expect people to be hiding behind cars, waiting for you to get out. And it's chilling to know that in the 2000s, this is happening to young women. It almost is like we just always have to be on guard, but it's awful. It sucks. And I don't know where I'm going with this, but I just feel like it could have been anyone. And this man took this opportunity. He's an opportunist and struck. And it just gives me chills to think that this young lady, Kelsey, didn't really have a chance. It absolutely could have just been any one, any one of us listening. It could be your loved one. It's Target. This is a home away from home for so many people. We go, we get a nice coffee, we walk around, we let Target tell us what we need to buy, Mm -hmm. you know, that whole thing. And you're right. On June 2nd, it's not that dark at 7 p.m. And by the looks of the CCTV footage, it didn't appear to be very dark when she arrived or when you see this guy or her walk out of Target. Didn't seem to be very dark yet. Sun is setting, it's dusk-ish, but it's not very dark. That's what it looks like. Right. She's still in her summer clothes. I mean, she's wearing a pink tank top with some dark wash denim shorts and a belt and tennis shoes. I mean, and it looked pretty well lit too. So it, it didn't appear to be too dark. Like you're saying, it's scary. It was just another Target visit for her. She wouldn't have been expecting it. Her guard would have been down most likely with how comfortable she was with this being her hometown target and the fact that, yes, there was still some daylight left. Absolutely. Luckily, as they caught the guy that was following her around target walk out, they are able to freeze frame that and release it to the media right away. We need this guy. Who is he? Mm -hmm. Help us find him. Well, the phone calls start rolling in. They got almost 2,000 tips. Law enforcement knew. Yeah, wow is right. Law enforcement knew, though, that, yay, we have 2,000 tips, but that's going to take us weeks to follow up on. We need to act now. Mm -hmm. So good on them. So they primarily at that time were focusing on that CCTV footage. And they still have a time frame, thanks to the footage of when her car was dropped off at the Macy's. They think, okay, if the car was dropped off in the Macy's parking lot around 917, let's check around that time frame if Target has anybody returning to pick up a vehicle. Mm-hmm. That will give us another clue to who this person could be. So while others are maybe following up on some of those tips, others are saying, hey, we can act quickly here because we can maybe pinpoint a vehicle. That will open up a lot more doors. As they review the target footage, they see a dark-colored pickup leaving the parking lot at 9.22, just five minutes after the car had been dropped off at the Macy's parking lot. And remember, the person was on foot and was running. There was no other vehicle that they then popped into. They got out of the driver's side of Kelsey's car and ran. It's grainy, but you can clearly see the driver of that truck in the CCTV footage from 922 appears to be the same guy that had been following Kelsey in the store. 
they release the videos to the public and a lot of tips come in. And one of them in particular says, I know who the person is in the video. His name's Edwin Hall. Police race over to his address and they see that Edwin and his wife were packing up and it looked like essentially that they were preparing to leave, whether it was vacation or what have you, but they were packing up a vehicle. I'm not sure if the vehicle was the dark truck in question or if they saw the dark truck at his place of residence as well. That wasn't mentioned too much in the documentary, so I don't want to speculate too much. So all we could really say is they were packing up a vehicle and it looked like they were going to be leaving. Police go ahead and say, hey, you know, come back with us. And they fingerprinted him and they start questioning him. He denied knowing anything about her disappearance, but his bluff is called a little bit. And he goes, oh, well, yeah, like I am that guy in the video near her. Like that's me. And they're like, well, yeah, we can see you, you know, kind of thing. And he's kind of says creepily, like, I remember she was cute and she had nice legs too. So while he was being questioned, his fingerprints had been sent out to the lab and the results came back. We had a match. The fingerprint from the release seatbelt button matched Edwin Hall. And there was absolutely no reason for his fingerprint to be there other than the fact that he was stalking her and clearly had some involvement in her disappearance. He would have had no other reason to have been in her vehicle. With the fingerprint matching, Edwin finally admits to stalking her and waiting for her in the parking lot. When she came out, He admits that he rushed her with a handgun and forced her into her car and made her drive away. Two hours later, he admits that he abandoned her car in the Macy's parking lot and says he walked back to his truck at the Target across the street and drove away. On June 6th, three and a half days after she went missing, Kelsey was found by the search team. She was found in a hollow by a tree in a wooded area near Longview Lake in Jackson County, Missouri. Now, Overland Park, where Kelsey was from, is not that far from Kansas City, which, as you know, is the Kansas-Missouri border. So it's not that odd that she was found in Missouri. Where she was found was about 15 to 20 miles away from the target where she had been abducted. Once the case makes it to court, the DA at one point tells the courtroom that her belt was turned into a murder weapon around her neck. We have a couple of resources that also refer to her belt being around her neck. And once the case made it to court, the DA tells the courtroom her belt was, quote, turned into a murder weapon around her neck, end quote. So essentially, and many of the resources corroborate this, Kelsey was strangled with the belt that you and I mentioned she was wearing that day. Kelsey had been sexually assaulted and strangled. Edwin was charged with capital murder, aggravated kidnapping, rape, and aggravated sodomy. He pleaded guilty in July of 2008 and gave a full confession to avoid the death penalty. In September of 2008, he was sentenced to life without parole. In Kelsey's memory, there's a couple of things that are going on. First is Kelsey's law. So some believe that Verizon Wireless was reluctant to locate or ping Kelsey's cell phone because of privacy laws governing such actions. At the time, cell phone service providers would generally comply upon the request of like a subscriber to get their phone pinged, but it wasn't really normal in like missing persons cases to do that. So the law, Kelsey's law, states in essence that Cell phone companies may ping a cell phone 
if authorities determine that the subscriber is in danger. And many U.S. states have already passed the law. From my research, I believe it's around 27 states so far that have adopted Kelsey's law. What's really cool about Kelsey's law is that it's actually already helped find and safely return a kidnapped five-month-old within 30 minutes because the parent's cell phone was in the car when the car was taken with the child in it. Unreal. So you can imagine how important this case may be for other cases and cases in the future. Because of that, a federal version was introduced into the U.S. Senate on September 25th of 2021. It was introduced as Senate Bill 466 by Senator Jerry Moran from Kansas. When it was introduced at the federal level, it was introduced as the Kelsey Smith Act, and it would require wireless carriers to hand over the location information of a customer's device in an emergency situation. The request for the location information of a subscriber can be made by investigative law enforcement officers that are conducting official duties. And that actually makes it a lower threshold than a court order. The caveat to the Kelsey Smith Act is that the cell phone device must have called 911 during the previous 48 hours or law enforcement must believe that the device's owner is in a deadly emergency situation. Another thing that's living on in Kelsey's honor and memory is the Kelsey Smith Foundation. It's a nonprofit that carries with it the mission to empower families and communities to protect the young and young adults of the nation. This has been a huge labor of love for Greg and Missy Smith, and they've spent the better part of 14 years advocating within this foundation for the Kelsey Smith Act, of course, but also providing initiatives for safety sessions geared towards individuals aged between 13 and 24 because they believe that that is a group that is most at risk of becoming victims of violent crimes. And they believe that they desperately need some kind of safety training and education. And that's what these kinds of sessions and trainings and things that they promote within the foundation are for. What a beautiful legacy her parents have built in Kelsey's honor. Yeah, Greg and Missy Smith have actually even developed um, curriculum that is used so that personnel can train young adults about the basics of like self-safety. Mm-hmm. And a lot of this is in part to Greg's experience. He has experience as a teacher. He has experience as a state senator and a law enforcement officer. So his input and his experience in his career and life has been really pivotal in understanding how to go from, I want to make this happen to making it happen. He has every facet you could imagine. And probably most important of all, he has the empathy of being the father of a missing and murdered young woman. So he knows what's at stake here more than most people know. That's right. They now have eight grandbabies. Mm -hmm. They still live in Overland Park. Greg, at the time the resource I used was written, was working as a special deputy for Johnson County Sheriff's Office and Missy was working as a drug screen collector. A really powerful quote, that Greg has left us with as well is, I stand here today, a heartbroken father, knowing that Kelsey's gone. He says, the very act of living triggers memories of her. We may not be able to see her anymore this side of heaven, but Kelsey's still here making a difference. And this is also in large part to 
the five-month-old being saved within 30 minutes and just other items that Kelsey's Law and now hopefully the Kelsey Smith Act have brought to fruition for others who have benefited from that. So it's a really powerful quote um, for what the law means to him, what Kelsey's Law means to him. Today, Kelsey's headstone is marked, it's not the years in your life, it's the life in your years. And I think that that is maybe the most beautiful headstone quote ever. The impression she left on this world makes so much sense because she was described as scrubbed in sunshine. She's literally bringing light to some of the darkest moments in people's lives through the act that her family has have done in her honor through the programs that they've input in her honor. And so I think whether she knows it or not, she's made a lasting impression and a lasting difference in so many people's lives. That's where we'll leave the episode this week. Until our next episode, you know where to find us at the Murder Diaries pod on Instagram, at the Murder Diaries pod at gmail.com and the Murder Diaries podcast.com. And if you haven't had a chance already, go ahead and rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It helps us keep the good content flowing. Your five stars mean everything. And until then, stay safe. Bye. Is your daily grind getting you down? A Thermospas hot tub may be the solution. Just a few minutes under those powerful, soothing jets, and all your stress seems to melt away, like you're lying on a cloud of bubbles. You'll not only feel better, but sleep better, too. Call 877-861-4672 now. And for a limited time, save $1,250. Call 877-861-4672 or visit thermospas.com to schedule a free on-site assessment. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.